Welcome back to Tradman, everybody. We've got a great guest with us uh, for this episode. Um, our uh, a friend of Jason's, actually, and an actor who has been in, a, has got actually a pretty tremendous body of work. Um, and the latest film that he was just in, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, Nefarious, uh, which is an, a phenomenal film. Um, it, it, you know, it, it scared the heck out of me. It scared the heck out of my wife. <laughs> so a uh, phenomenal performance for sure. Sean Patrick Flannery is our guest on the show. Sean, thank you so much for coming on Tradman, man. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Before we begin, we always begin with a little short prayer just because uh, we, we, we want to ask the Holy Ghost for some insight into what we're going to talk about today. And uh, so feel free to join along with us if you're out there. And as we say, a quick grace, uh, quick prayer to the Holy Ghost for uh, some light, some edification and some grace. In nomine Patri, said Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Vini Sancti Spiritus, replay tuor acorda fidelium, et tuia moris in eis ignim acende. Imite Spiritum tuum et creabuntur. Oremos, Deus qui corda fidelium, Sancti Spiritus, illustrazioni docuisti, da nobis iniorum spiritu recta sapere, et de eo semper consolazioni gadere, per Christum Dominum nostrum, amen. Nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti, amen. Sean, saw Nefarious and was blown away by your performance, and we're definitely going to talk a little bit about that, but before we get into your latest film, we want to talk about some of the other things that get go on in your life, which we feel would be like really uh, edifying for our guests and things like that. Jason, I know that you uh, and your kids are, are involved in uh, mixed martial arts, wrestling, a lot of that stuff. Take a little, take it away a little bit, Jason. Yeah. So I, I met Sean, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago through, through a wrestling clubs and stuff. Cause uh, our children wrestle together and I mean, they go to different clubs now, but they still interact and all that. And I've talked to Sean several times and, and I, and I've wanted to do an episode or something on how grappling sports, sports such as wrestling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu can really help build the virtues in our youth help form them and strengthen their character. And um, I, I haven't done it cause I haven't felt like I could do it justice, but I, for a long time now, I've thought, you know, Sean can really probably do justice to these better, better than I ever could because these sports build the virtues better than, than any other sports I've, I've come to believe. I mean, and a virtue is a habit, right? It's not just a one-time act. It's a habit. And, and Sean is, how long have you been practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I, I know you're a black belt. Um, if you kind of want to tell us about your background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu real quick. <clears throat> well, I've been a martial arts since I was nine years old. <clears throat> um, and uh, I, was, I was well into my martial arts career um, when a, 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 a gentleman, I didn't know it at the time, but his name was Hickson Gracie. All I recognized was the last name. And they came in in 98. So it's 1998 and they started putting mats down on a hardwood floor at a Shotokan karate uh, Academy. And I, uh, I said, or, or I saw the patch and I said, are you guys any relation? Are you guys related or affiliated with Hoist Gracie? And he said, yeah, you know, he's my brother. And uh, <laughs> a little backstory. That's like asking Michael Jordan, if he is affiliated with David Jordan. 
And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, all I've heard about is toys. Hickson is the champion of the family, but I had no idea. That was written in the 90s, really before the internet. I, I certainly didn't have a cell phone, but, you know. And uh, he threw a gi. I said, I, I, since UFC won in 93, I've always wanted to train. And he went in the back, came out, threw a gi. And he goes, put the gi, man. Tonight you train with us. And that was it. So I started in 98. And I got to tell you, uh, since I discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the clouds parted. They opened up. Every single truth that I was looking for in martial arts since I was nine years old was painfully answered on that day. And every single human alive will tell you the same thing that trains Jiu-Jitsu. They'll go, wow, that was the truth. Because you went in there. I, I, I had already been well decorated in martial arts. And it came to, we did a light warm up and he said, okay, you know, let's, let's do some spa, pick somebody, same size, same shape. He's Brazilian. And uh, so I picked this guy, he was a blue belt. I know the belts go white, blue, purple, brown, black. And I picked this guy cause he was a blue belt and he's about 135 pounds soaking wet. And I'm, I've always been like right at 170 my whole adult life since college. And I didn't do it to be a bully. I just thought I've heard so many miracle stories and of, of this being some sort of sorcery that if this dude can keep me at bay, with the first colored belt, it'll blow my mind. Well, every jujitsu person knows how the story ends. He took my back <laughs> within seconds, choked me. We did, went again. He knee barred me. He toe hold me. He arm locked me. He shoulder locked me. And, and <clears throat> there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I didn't even have a recipe or where to begin to do something about it. Uh, and I realized that if I ever met that dude in a dark alley and he had ill intentions, I would be at his mercy, whether whether it's to protect a loved one or a material possession. I would simply have to rely on hope. And I don't like relying on her hope, brother. And so I signed up for classes that day. I signed up for two classes a week. And that lasted about two days. And I immediately changed it to unlimited. And I camped out at the Hicks and Gracie Academy because I was completely overwhelmed and addicted to the martial art. Yeah, wow. and yeah, and and you've actually recently uh, made a movie a couple years ago. Wrote a movie called Born a Champion, and and I believe I, I read somewhere that you said that was, or maybe the movie said it that it was your love letter to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It, yeah, yeah, it, it it is. I wrote that in two thousand seven, and just to give you an insight into Hollywood, that's how long it takes to you know uh, sell studios on an idea. Um, I actually wrote that in two thousand seven. Um, you know the the, the whole seek out uh, networking and seek out investors. That's not my forte at all. So I kind of wrote it and I, 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 I wrote it with, uh, well, I wrote it by myself. I, I wrote the short story by myself. Then uh, one of the producers of Boondock Saints, which uh, uh, a lot of people may know about, uh, we, we took it to Sony. Sony said, wow, we love it. We want to do it. Cut to God bless a CB, a dear friend of mine, the producer, he died. So I kind of uh, uh, camped on the script until a handful of years ago. In 2015, I wrote my first uh, book and it came out and a number of industry people read it and they loved it. And they said, have you ever written a script? I said, well, oddly enough, yes, I happen to have one. So the first person that read it, we, we turned it into a film and uh, it, it is, it's my love letter to something that's completely changed my life. That will be a large portion of the legacy that I leave behind to my kids. Um, and, it, and, it, and it, it, as, as far as time goes, it, it's certainly not my bread and butter financially, but it, it, it occupies more of my mental space and more of the 24 hours in the day than any other occupation I have. It, it, it truly is a love letter to jujitsu. 
What yeah. is it that you that you've gotten out of Brazilian? Because clearly, this is more than a hobby, right? There's something that this particular uh, sport has given you that um, that clearly touches many more other aspects of your life. Tell me a little bit about what you because you, you talked about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the answer. What was the question you were asking? If that well, makes everybody sense. goes up, you know. Yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense. Everybody gets it. Well, I don't say everybody. A lot of people get into martial arts because of Bruce Lee, because of self-defense. Everybody, you know, if you publicize anti-bullying, the mothers will come out of the woodwork wanting to get their kids in it. And they end yeah. up going to a strip mall learning some taekwondo from a morbidly obese sensei with 57 different colored stripes on some made-up belt, and he can't lift his foot above his belt. Right. I, I say that with zero love in the world. You are doing a disservice to a kid that's on the playground that thinks he stands a chance against just some kid that plays football. He will get wrecked and put on his back and he will, it, 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 it'll, it'll make him disbelieve life itself because everything he'll, he's been told will be completely wholly meaningless. And he'll end up, you know, having some sort of a, you know, everybody kind of appreciates and, and respects their, their, their coach. And suddenly that coach of his that told him, all you have to do is you're going to block here and block here and horse punch and they will be knocked out. And it's just laughably silly. And UFC one proved that, you know, the, the no, if, if you don't know it and somebody else knows jujitsu, you're going to get wrecked. Mm. And that was proved in UFC one through five mm -hmm. after that everybody started applying jujitsu into what they already knew. And then with the rule set, you saw the, in second place strongly is wrestling. If you can control where the fight takes place and you know a little bit of jujitsu, that's the combination, wrestling and jujitsu. Hmm. But if you only know one, there is only one victor. And it's, it's, it's the truth. If you put a kid on a playground that not only thinks, because traditional martial arts are taught theoretically, they say, well, that we can't really do it full black. You can't sit down on your punch and spar with kids at full bore, not even with headgear. You know, a seven-year-old is not going to do it. So you're going through these katas and up lock and, you know, front kick. And it's in theory, well, if he comes forward, this is how you would block and this is how you would punch. But you're not really doing it. Mm -hmm. You go to a jujitsu class and you're starting on the feet. And you're trying to take somebody down. If you've been training three years, you're trying to take somebody down, probably who's spent three years trying to not get taken down. Mm -hmm. You can do that with practiced regularity. And then it gets on the ground and you're trying to submit somebody that spent three years trying not to get submitted. What are the odds that you're not going to be able to do that on a playground? They're mm -hmm. categorically zero. And no. the, the proof is in the pudding. Because you're really doing it. There's a training partner trying to collapse your carotid artery and make you unconscious or hyperextend your arm. It's not theoretical. Hmm. It's, it's, it's practical. It's kinetic. It's happening right now. If you want to believe in it, don't trust my word. Go against Mike. And you're going to see if it works or not. And that's where the truth, the clouds parted and everybody saw, okay, we've always been wondering. Because, you know, Kempo has been, well, Kempo's better than kung fu well five animal kung fu is better than traditional kung fu well chinese kung fu is better than taekwondo well now we proved it with ufc one fine shut the door and let's see what happens and not once not twice universally jujitsu wrecked shop and you realized that positional grappling is key hmm. 
And that's the truth that I'm talking about. We know a lot of guys actually who, uh, who get, who get into the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they've said a lot of the same things that there's, there's just something, um, there's something in the movements themselves. And, and yeah, and I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. And I'm not a martial arts guy, but it's the, it's, it's the using of, uh, of body weight. I, I guess that that's really, it's the, it's the maximalization of, of your opponent's body weight to helping that work for you instead of against you. Am I, am I more or less in the ballpark? You're nowhere near the ballpark. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> perfect. Good. Cause this yeah. is, yeah. I have no, you, 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 you're, you're not using your opponent's weight. I'll give you an yeah. example. Uh, the, the, the way you get out from underneath somebody, you mm-hmm. don't move a big man off of you. You move yourself out from underneath the big man. I so it, 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 it's, it's very different than what you're talking about, but positional dominance and your placement of your body weight on a vulnerable portion of a larger man's body is the key to positional dominance. And once you understand that, I don't care. You you go to these women's self-defense seminars and they teach them Muay Thai. A hundred pound girl is never going to KO me. Even if my, that's my defense. It's just not going to happen. Blood force trauma is a product of a lot of physical attributes and most do- small framed women simply don't have it. That may right. offend a lot of people, but it's the blunt. Oh, we offend truth. people on our show having all the time. That, so. <laughs> having said that, you know, leverage and mechanical advantage is a force multiplier. There is no force multiplier in striking, but in grappling, absolutely. My wife, if she gets a figure four with legs involved, she's using two legs and two arms on my shoulder, she will snap it in half. And if she's privy to that setup and I am not, she will 100% break my shoulder unless I know how to use all four of my limbs in pursuit of a singular goal, which is jujitsu. And if she knows it and I don't, she is going to wreck me. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I, I agree and, and actually believe that all youth, especially young boys should should be in wrestling or jujitsu and learn these skills, right? Because the world is not a kind place. And there may be a time where you have to exert an extreme amount of violence in a short period of time to defend yourself or those around you. Right. But also at the same time, these sports also like, like going back to the virtues, they also build up the, this confidence and this, this sense of integrity and kindness in, in most youth, because like, like, um, you know, when I've talked to your boys, right, they, they're always well-spoken, well-mannered, kind. They, they have a confidence about them. Um, and, and I know as a father that, that that's you teaching your kids through life, leading your family, you and your wife, right? But I think it's fair to say that, that your, your son's uh, involvement in jiu-jitsu and, and even wrestling has contributed to that. Is, is that fair to say in, in their overall development as, as people of integrity, of kindness and of morality. Well, it's more than it's more more than fair to say, and and I'll I'll touch on wrestling. Um, you know, I speak incredibly highly of jujitsu. As far as a self-defense martial art, nothing comes close to jujitsu. But the way jujitsu, the sport, the way you compete in jujitsu is fairly anemic. And there's not a lot of real world application to the fighting style in jujitsu. So that's why we compete in wrestling. There is more real world application 
in the sport of wrestling than the sport of jujitsu. So for me, the recipe is to train old school fighting jujitsu, but compete in wrestling. And that, that combination is untouchable. Absolutely. Uh, wrestling is a, to me, wrestling is the, the way that I grew up with, with jujitsu. Wrestling was never not a part of jujitsu. Our pursuit of goals is very different in wrestling. To touch the, per, the person's back in jujitsu, we want to be behind the person. But once you've spent 25 years moving another man against his will, you can look at a different Google Maps and go to a different location. Once you know how to drive the car, instead of turning right, okay, I'll turn left. It's very easy. I mean, I mean, the, these sports are so difficult. Touching on on the the, the, the virtues, you know, one of the one of the, one of the building blocks of of a child's life is adversity. And I'll tell you, if a child mm -hmm. doesn't learn how to climb over some adversity, then he's going to be in a very bad position when he gets in a real world and there's severely negative consequences if he can't climb over it. So your job as a parent, mine the same, is to put them with adversity in a controlled environment. So you almost build a psychological immunity in, in within them that they can go out into the world and they've been like, I've, I've been more uncomfortable than this. Bring it. There and used to be an uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you have to be comfortable with severe discomfort. And so many people come into a wrestling room going, oh, you know, I mean, we've done hard practices before. Slow your roll, homie. You probably <laughs> have. There's top shelf dudes that are feeling like they're going to have a, a heart attack. I, the first time I did jujitsu, that first day class that I was talking about, I was a sponsored triathlete. And I went in there and I, after three minutes of rolling with this guy, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Because you have such an inefficiency with your movements. You're squeezing when you don't need to. And the whole, for three minutes, I'm firing every single muscle. My heart rate was at 190. This guy submitted me 19 times and he was fresh as a daisy, not even breathing. Because he's, relax, relax. Okay, I need to squeeze there and relax. And that, I mean, the learning curve is huge. Also, going to the, the, the virtues, it's, it's a meritocracy. And kids need to learn that you will not get something out of your bank account unless you first deposit it. Here, here. That's that's one of the tenets of, yep. of, of being a successful anything. Yep. And the jujitsu mat and the wrestling mat, you're hard pressed to find it elsewhere. There, there is nobody else in the mirror when you stare in it. You 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 go to a baseball team. God bless baseball. It, it, but but it's an elective where I come from. In my family, baseball's an elective. Football's an elective. Self-defense is not an elective. I would never put a child out in the world that can't read, that can't write, that can't do math, just like I would never put my son out in the world that cannot fight because there will come a time where somebody tries to take something from you. And you'll either have to rely on hope or you'll, your no will be backed up by, I'm not asking you to make this not happen. I'm telling you it's not going to happen. And yeah. you've done it five days a week for 20 years of your life. So there's no doubt when, when you say no to somebody, you're like, you're going to end up on the ground. I'm going to be behind you and I'm going to choke you. And that's going to happen. Absolutely. And yeah, that's and one of the, 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 the largest gifts that I can give a child to let him go out in the world with the confidence to say, you know, if I hear something wrong, I'm confident enough to speak up without somebody going, ah, sit down and shut up. You go, well, actually, I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to shut up. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's that meritocracy, that only getting out what you put in. That ability to see adversity on a daily basis, baseball, 
football, electives. If you throw a fastball over home plate and they crack it over to the center field fence, every kid is still going out for pizza and they're still laughing with their friends. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Even an eight-year-old knows the profound nature of being bested by another same size human as himself. And that person's on top of you and you can't get out and you lose. There are more tears on a wrestling mat than any all of the other sports combined. <laughs> because <laughs> even as a child, you know it's more important. You know that it has real-world application. Let me tell you what happens in a basketball game when there's a disagreement. Wrestling and jujitsu, that's what happens. What happens, <laughs> well what happens in a baseball game if a pitcher throws and, and tags the batter you know what happens jujitsu and wrestling fighting's what happens so why not cut the bs and go straight to fighting realistically <laughs> ultimately if negotiations fall apart you have to have the ability to protect yourself spoken like yeah, a true and irishman you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know you know what uh, within traditional catholic communities we we see a lot of these mothers and even fathers sadly helicopter parenting being not wanting their kids to face this adversity or they might get hurt or etc and, and i do think they're doing a disservice because i tell people all the time when they ask me well what's one reason that you're, you know, why does your daughter wrestle? Well, one reason is, is, is I wish I had thought about it now versus years ago. Right. Cause I would do things differently. But one reason I like my daughter wrestling is because I'm not naive to think that as she gets older, if a, if a much larger man tries to take advantage of her or hurt her or whatever, that he may win on sheer strength and, and biology. Right. But at least my daughter has a fighting chance because she understands the positioning. She understands hip movement. She understands all these things, hopefully, to get out from bottom or to get away, right? But, but, but it's giving your kids those fighting chances and not just letting them be victim is, victims is the way that, that I view it. You know, and, and, of course, my sons, it's always something that I've thought it's an important skill set for them to learn. Um, and the discipline that goes into – to that type of training. I mean, because it's not, because the one thing I do know about martial arts is you have to do it consistently and, and you have to progress in the training and you, you know, it, it takes some dedication and some discipline. And I think kids learning that at a younger age will, I mean, obviously serve them tremendously to, so when you've dedicated yourself to something that is physically challenging and tough and, and, and you commit yourself to it and you do it, the growth that you get from that just internally, that internal growth of accomplishing goals and progressing in a skill set, man, that's, you almost can't put a price tag on that. I don't think. No, you, you know, I, I mean, I mean, Jason, you said that it's an important skill set. I'll go one further. It's a necessary skill set. Anybody that disagrees, I'll contest with them <laughs> as, as strongly as I can. If you think you can go out into the world, this is what's going to happen. What, 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 what the confidence of martial arts allows you to do is it allows you to be yourself and contest things when they need to be contested. Yes, it's possible to go through life without ever having been in a fight, but you know what it requires you to do? Sit down when you really feel like I should stand up for this and you just choose to sit down. That person can go through life without ever getting in a fight. I don't want to be that person. I don't want my kids to be that person. Just like the, the other skill set that is not an elective to me is swimming. No joke. How dare yeah. you put a child out in the world that cannot save their own life in a, mm -hmm. in a body of water? How yeah. dare you? You're bragging about, well, my kid got a 4.0 in math. Yeah, but if he falls off a boat, he's dead. What's wrong with you? 
those are those are mandatory life skills. Now your yeah. your kid doesn't have to do swim team and compete, but they bet. But every person better be able to save their own life and their younger brother's life, their mother's life if she drowns. That's a skill set, just like self-defense. It allows you to stand up off your bar stool when you go, you know what, I should probably stand up. And I'll tell you, nothing makes walking away from a fight easier than knowing you don't have to. You know what it's like? I'll give you an analogy. The person that can't fight, the person that's been in a handful of fights, you know, somebody comes up to him and says, hey, or, or touches your girlfriend when you're in high school, right on her behind. You, the, immediately there starts to be bluster, like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you? People are screaming because they're nervous, because they don't know. And so they, they, mm. they, 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 they mask that. You're never afraid of that guy. You know the guy you're afraid of? You're afraid of the guy that goes, okay, you know what? Hang on. Let me take off my watch. Uh, here's my chicken platter. Could you keep this in the hot window? I'll be right back. All right, let's go outside. Let's take care. That's the guy you're petrified of because he – understands all the mechanics of violence and he goes okay let's not do it in here it'll get broken up let's go outside i saw a patch of grass right past the park let's go up let's go outside and talk about it. that's the dude you want to be petrified of in the same sense is that when your child knows martial arts and they've done it on a mat or wrestling on a mat five days a week for three years when somebody picks on them it's like a four-year-old is kicking them in the shins. You know how you react to a four-year-old? You look down and you go, hey, <laughs> stop doing that. Why are you doing that? <laughs> right. If, if it's somebody you're afraid of, you go, what yeah. are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? But it allows your son, if he's eight and 75 pounds, another 90-pound eight-year-old comes up and he goes, why are you doing that? Stop doing that, man. Come on. What are you doing? Because he knows what are the odds that I can't double like this guy and throw him on his back and keep him there indefinitely? There's not a doubt in his mind that he can't do it. And that gives him the freedom to do anything that he wants. Yeah. And I, I, I did, I, I did kind of want to touch cause cause we could touch specifically on all the virtues, right? I did want to talk about the four cardinal virtues at least because, because those are, you know, those are the virtues that we as humans can do to, you know, through, through, through our works to attain uh, through the grace of God, of course, but the number one, and we've kind of touched on them all, but the, the first one in the Cardinal virtues is prudence. And it's considered the driver to the other virtues because without prudence, you're not going to be able, you know, to, to have good judgment for the justice, fortitude, temperance. So the, the, Basically, the definition of prudence is it's the sensitivity and awareness of good judgment or knowing the right reason in action. So would you want to talk a little bit on how Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling and grappling type sports help a, a young person develop this prudence? Like on, on the yeah. mat itself? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, in no uncertain terms, prudence in the martial arts is, is the red line concept. And here's the wonderful thing about knowing that you can end a fight quickly and efficiently in a moment's notice is that red line is now not 10 feet from you. It can be 10 inch inches from you. And I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, there was a late, a female police officer that uh, pulled over a, a car and she thought she was grabbing her taser and she grabbed her sidearm. <clears throat> she went to prison for that. The reason is, is because her red line is 20 yards away from her. She's a female. There was a large man behind the wheel 
And she realizes if this guy flinches, I have to go to deadly force because I don't have anything in between deadly force. Mm-hmm. You know what it does, prudence for martial artists? It allows you to look down and go, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Where if you don't know it, most kids have to sucker punch immediately. They have to throw a blow because my, my only hope is surprise. That's what it is. It allows you to say, here's the pros and the cons of doing things. I, I can allow it to go further. It allows me more time to possibly negotiate, to bring justice into the fold. And, you know, the difference between a fighter and a martial artist, a fighter is anybody that goes to blows. A martial artist knows everything from conflict avoidance to extreme violence, but it's always tempered with an option for peace should it at all be possible. So yes, prudent is the first stage. It doesn't get into the actual martial art. It's your ability to decide when and where to use that martial art. And it it gives you a hundred yards as opposed to 10 yards if you don't have it. Yeah. And I, and I see on the mat when, when kids are wrestling and stuff like that, that, that they're prudent because they have to make, constantly right decisions under pressure because if i do this i'm going to get put on my back if i do this i'm going to you know i'm going to lose position or whatever so it, it, they're constantly like we talked about earlier they're in uncomfortable situations still having to think under duress and make correct decisions which again you know j- j- just like with three lifting 300 pounds i'm not going to be able to just to go out there most people aren't at least and lift 300 pounds we have to work our way to that right so when these when the i see when these young kids are on the mat making these decisions under duress they're they're building little by little to where later in life they have a big decision to make they've already built up that strength that prudence to say okay this is the proper way to act and that's that's why i see uh, these type sports far better than any other sport in developing the virtue of prudence. Well, we, we, always, we always use it in terms of risk versus reward. It is the primary level of a child learning how to calculate risk versus reward. And just so you used a wrestling mat, you know, there, there, there's, there's some coaches that you hear, you're always trying to score, always trying to score, always trying to score. I would violently disagree with that if you are up by 10 points um and somebody's on top in the third period are you trying to escape or are you trying to not get pinned now now you're not trying to game the system and ride out a victory but there is a time where you will take more chances for example if, if you're 10 points down and you're on top you need to throw risk out maybe i'll get reversed but i gotta try to pin this person so it makes you start to calculate there is a time for taking a 20% possible move. And there's a time for not taking a 90% possible move because that 10% could change things drastically. And it, and it, it teaches kids overnight. They don't even know that the lesson that they're learning, but that yeah. has real world application the minute they step off the map. Excellent point, yeah. It's really, I guess, about knowing the prudent, the prudent man knows his options. And knows what all the options are. And the imprudent man, like you were saying, Sean, is is fearful because he doesn't know his, he doesn't really know what the options are. He doesn't know what this landscape is. Am I, am I about to get into this fight? Can I win? What if I can't? What is what are what are what are his skill sets and all that? But the prudent person um, is is just much more in control of the situation because they understand. And because violence is part of the repertoire, they have all the options, including nonviolence, obviously, but 
if it goes to that other place, we can go to that other place too. And so it's, well, yeah, it, you know, it's these skills give you the toolkit to use a lot of prudence. They give you yeah. the ability to use a lot. If you don't have the toolkit, you don't have the option. That's it. Like you're, you're that female officer that if she flinches, I have to pull my sidearm. I have, if he gets out of the car and he go, comes within range of the taser, it, it's over. I'm going to die. That's just the fact of the matter. Whereas if you think, well, as long as he's unarmed, I really don't even have to pull a sidearm. I can prop, I can take him to the ground and cuff him against his will. You, you, yeah. you, you can debate it left, right, and south and center, but sure. we all know the answer to that. The toolkit gives you access to using prudence. Absolutely. And, and, and building on that, going into the next virtue, which would be fortitude, which is uh, uh, defined by the moral virtue that ensures firmness and difficulties and consistency in the pursuit of good. So, so the, the, the still, I, I saw one of your comments yesterday on social media, what wrestling refers to as a cross face, most people refer to as a right hook, <laughs> but it, it, uh, so when, when these kids are on the mat and what I've learned through the past few years is in order to do the right thing, they may have to suffer a little bit, but they learn to stand firm in doing the right thing on the mat. Right. So for instance, I bring up the cross face because what, what are the coaches always telling kids? What's the defense for a cross face? Not to look away, but you have to look into it. And by looking into it, you're exerting more, pressure and more pain on your face, but it's for the overall good. So things like that, I think, teach the fortitude and the firmness in doing the right thing in kids. Absolutely. You know, it takes it it, it, it is the very literal example of face your fear, which everybody says that, but nobody really knows what it means. Why not have them do it on a daily basis? Look into the cross face. Everybody knows that. Speaking of which, that was a that was a comment I made with Billy Durning, one of the best wrestling coaches on the planet Earth, man, and a very dear friend of mine. I Nothing but high accolades for him. Yeah, I, that, no, dude, no, we, that dude is top to bottom solid. But yes, face your fears, and there is no more profound literal example than looking into a cross face. It's 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 the essence we're talking about. And you guys were saying, you guys had both had somebody say earlier, which I thought was very profound on this, which is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And there's, <clears throat> there's nothing in life that I think is going to take you farther and let you accomplish more goals, no matter what that goal is, than if you just get comfortable being uncomfortable, embrace that it's hard. And because like you just got done saying 90% of other people are going to spend their whole lives trying to get out of things that are hard, trying to make it things easier, trying to make it less difficult. But if you're the guy who's like, no, nah, man, let's, I, because if it's harder, I'm going to learn more. If it's harder, I'm going to get better. If it's, I'm going to get sharper. I'm going to get, you know, uh, that guy's going to be head and shoulders above 90% of everybody else out there that's doing these things. And you can learn that value system earlier i mean all the better you know, you know yeah. everything when i say everything i i mean everything everything valuable in my life came right after a big hill of adversity everything you'll yeah. never find a, a, your granddad on his deathbed going i wish i'd have bought one more lamborghini he's <laughs> never going to be talking about those things at Good all time. You know, the big step from childhood to adulthood is when you, whenever you, 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 you stop counting your, your 
possessions and you start counting your achievements and comp and friends. And, you know, a big part of life is collecting things that it hurts like hell to say to goodbye to the Lamborghini's not one of them. Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 it's Absolutely. some people, everybody's best decision they will ever make every human alive's best decision they will ever make is the decision to endure. When I look back, the best thing I ever did was to endure in a certain area. And we'll get into the details of it, but I decided, okay, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep, keep doing that. I'm going to give it one more chance. And that's adversity, man. That is adversity. That is, like I said, I've never met a kid that goes on a wrestling mat that loves wrestling from day one. I've never met him. It, 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 it's, it's scary. It's horrifying. The first time they lose and they get devastated, they're humiliated, they're embarrassed. Primarily, they know it was a big deal. But man, once you get your hand raised, everything changes. Conversely, it's better than hitting a, a grand slam home run. It, you know that there is real world application. That getting your hand raised takes on a completely different meaning than your team. It's just very, very different. And you achieve that because you pursue, because you you decide to endure. You you know w w when you're doing just simply sprints afterwards, there's always a moment on every map where you, it'd be easy if you just where, where you know you know you know your softy, the little bitch inside you, comes with a very eloquent argument. If you slowed down, it'd feel better. If you slowed down just a little bit, it'd feel better. They're trying to pin you. If you just relaxed, your shoulders hit down, and it'd all be over with. And that's when you say, you know what, I'm not going to negotiate. I've heard what you have to say. I understand the consequences, the pros and the cons. Now sit down, shut up. I have work to do. You give me that kid, he'll tackle anything on the planet Earth. Anything. Which which actually leads in, that was actually a really good segue into the next uh, virtue, the third uh, out of the four cardinal virtues, which is temperance. And, you know, temperance is helps us control our desires and passions. That's what that virtue does. And, you know, you, 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 you talked about you've never seen so many tears as on a as on a wrestling mat than you do other places. And, yes, you do see a lot of crying on these mats because these kids are invested. They're doing hard things they're you know, they're they're, they're uncomfortable and all these things. But they also learn to control their desires and passions in the sense that sometimes it they want to get mad and just start going crazy but it works against them. They, they eventually learn if they have to say, if they have that problem of you losing their temper, what they eventually learn, this is working against me. And, and through time, as they become better wrestlers or, or, or whatever, they then learn to control that, that temper to an extent. And you, you know, focus on the task at hand. So I, I really see, uh, wrestling and jujitsu. And, and like I said, again, any grappling sport, building temperance in, in, in young kids because they do learn how to make the right decisions. Well, you know, you know, you know the, the, the grappling mat of both. I'll tell you, I find there's a lot of connective tissue between prudence and temperance. And one of the, one of the most enunciated pieces of connective tissue is delayed gratification. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that element that a child learns. It's like, you know what, I'll take a little less today for a little more tomorrow. It will do me good in the long run. And every, every bit of pain comes with a pleasure interest. As soon as a child understands that, maybe not in those terms, their life will have a seismic shift. Every ounce of pain that you allow yourself to endure comes with a pleasure interest. If you give me 10 molecules of pain, 
I'm going to get 20 pleasure later on in life. It's do something today that your future self will look back and thank you for. You live your life like that. No one will stand in your way. And the wrestling mat teaches that. And, and that sounds a lot like what the Catholic Church teaches on redemptive suffering, because a lot of people in our world today, especially within the Catholic Church, seem to be against suffering. But they don't understand, like you're saying, that that with suffering can come pleasure later if you're willing to endure it. You know, and, and again, it, what you just said reminded me of redemptive suffering. I mean, w- would you agree, Mark, in that aspect? I, I to, So to me, suffering usually comes from failure in some aspect. And failure is always growth unless you just stop getting back up. I mean, if you just quit, then failure is failure. But like, you know, when you work out, all your benefit comes from that last rep that you just, and then you train to failure because otherwise your muscles aren't going to grow. When you go and and I'm, you know, granted, I'm not a martial artist. I'm so I'm talking just from an, an outsider looking in, but when you go into a sport like this, it's like you just said, Sean, you're not going to go in there the first day and start kicking everybody's butt. Chances are probably you're going to get your, you know, what handed to you for the first, you know, however, whatever the initial stages of you learning this martial art are, but it's in all those butt kickings that you're, you're learning a lot and you're, you know, all of that. So that, that temperance, that discipline, right. To go in there and do things that are uncomfortable, do things that hurt for a while. Because like you said, I'm, I'm going to grow from all this. And the growth that I'm going to get at the end of the day is going to ensure that this butt kicking I just took, I don't have to take that anymore because now I learned from that, you know, and, and, and I don't have to take it out on the street where it's going to be infinitely worse than it is here in the sparring ring or, or whatever it is that we're, we're talking about. So yeah, no, I definitely, definitely think that, you, you know, my, my goal as a, as a dad and a teacher, I tell my kids all the time, you know, there, there's hardly anything my boys can break that daddy can't put back together. But I got to teach them to reassemble on their own because I won't be here forever. Yeah. There's a big difference between discipline and self-discipline. It's easy. Consequences. I employ consequences are the lifeblood of discipline. If I employ consequences, I can get a kid to do anything I want. The gold standard is to make him hold himself accountable. Yeah. And that's a big leap between discipline and self-discipline. And yeah. the wrestling mat will give you that in spades, brother. Oh, yeah. And the 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 last virtue before we get into to your new movie, Nefarious, was justice. And I think justice, you know, it's the, um, I mean, plainly stated, it's the quality of fairness. And I think it's kind of self, self-explanatory. But I do think that the justice aspect is very important more than the others on who you surround yourself with, who your kids coaches are, right? Because they are going to enforce that act of, or that virtue of justice. Cause if you get somebody like crease from Cobra Kai, your kids probably not going to be formed very well in the virtue of justice. Right. But if, if they surround themselves with, you know, people, you know, coaches like yourself or, uh, you know, the, these other coaches that we have around the area that, that we know and respect this virtue of justice, justice can really be built in, in our youth. Well, for me, my, my, my job as a jujitsu instructor is not to make black belt world champions. It's to make better human beings. And I, I, I use the martial art to do that. But my goal is not to have black belts that are bad humans. I, mm-hmm. I'll take 
10 fifth place guys that are going to go change the world because they're wonderful human beings rather than 10 gold medalists who I don't respect. Certainly character, integrity, integrity, which is, is, is the catcher in the rye of every other value. If I don't develop kids with integrity, I've failed. That's a gross failure on my part. So clearly that's the goal. And that's, I know I put my kids in rooms where the coach is somebody that they will look up to that teaches them every single one of those values. And I won't stand for anything shy of that. And I know you, you do as well. You complimented my kids earlier. Your kids are standouts, brother. The, 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 the Looney kids are, are top of the class human beings as well as wrestlers. And I know we're cut from very similar cloth in that respect. You wouldn't put your kids in any room under, under the tutelage of anybody who you didn't think everything that leaves this person's mouth is a sound little nugget of advice for life. Not just the wrestling mat, but life. I appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. Well, and there's also an aspect of justice that I think in, in our modern society, we've kind of like adopted this idea that allowing anybody to lose in a sport is unjust. And it's just not right. And it's not fair. It's not nice. And it's just, it's better if we, can't we all just win? When in reality, Having someone lose in a sport is just because if you don't practice as hard, if you didn't work as hard, if you weren't as skilled as the other wrestler, you should lose. And that's just, and it's, it's just for a variety of reasons. Not one of which would be it's inspiring you to get better. So when you come back, you'll be the victor. And because like you said, there's nobody who's lost and been like, I lost. All right. I mean, you feel <laughs> terrible when you lose. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And it's, and, and so I do like the fact that in a sporting atmosphere, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like wrestling, like the grappling sports that we're talking about, kids are taught, Hey, you lost today and that's okay. And you'll, you, you're going to take, you're going to recover from this situation, get better. So that next time you're not going to lose, but you lost today because you didn't wrestle as well as the other wrestler. And that's the way it goes. And kids need to learn that, Hey man, when I lost at a sport, it wasn't because the world is fundamentally broken and all this. Thing. I just didn't do as well as the other guy did. And I'm going to get better and I'm going to move on. I think that is justice. Letting kids fail sometimes is justice. Well, I, you know, I, I don't even think uh, most <clears throat> men contest that at all. We all just kind of giggle and laugh under our breath. Anytime somebody says, Oh yeah, everybody's a winner. Everybody's not a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Any any hierarchy of results, there's there's a system of ones in at the top of the chain, one's right below it, one's right below that. And everybody knows every child that's five years old knows who won and who lost. And every child that's five years old that hears their parents go, it's the same, we're all winners, knows. I mean, I I know we're all good people. But he beat yeah. every five-year-old knows that. And it makes you start to think, well, my parents are a liar. They're talking a, a language that doesn't make sense. If we don't have a uniformity of what words mean, then communication completely breaks down. And if you start going into contests where one person gets a gold medal, one person gets a silver, one person gets a bronze, and you tell them, we're, it's all the same, we're all winners. Even the IQ of a four-year-old knows that's not right. That's not right. It doesn't mean you have to feel horrible about yourself, but that kid did better than you. And there, 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 there's, you know, nature has a wonderful way of, of, of forcing course corrections. It has a wonderful way of giving you a feeling of, I feel like I could have done better. 
that will allow you to go out and train harder to pursue that gold medal. If, if you got fifth and you felt fine with it, that's a, that, that's a person that will never succeed in life. Yeah. You, you show me the person that's okay with losing and I'll show you a loser. You show yeah. me a person that's, I'm a good loser. Look, I'm going to, if I lose, I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to say great match. I, I'm, I'm never going to throw headgear. I'm never going to pitch a fit, but inside I'm going, Flannery, Flannery, come on. If that doesn't eat you up, you'll never achieve the, the, the top step of anything. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're a loser at life, but you need to anesthetize kids to the word loser. On the jujitsu mat, we always talk about, we start every match with the word fight. You know why? Because when they hear the word fight in school, they're like, I hear it every day. Okay, you guys ready? Bow to each other, shake hands, hands up and fight. So they know they're in a fight. So when they go, you want to fight? They're like, oh, I'll do it every day. The word doesn't scare me. Same thing with loser. Okay, you got second place. You know what the Bingo. technical second place is? It's loser. Are you a loser at life? No. no, but technically you're a loser in this competition. So when somebody goes, you're a loser, they're like, well, okay. They've heard it, tw- they've heard it 5,000 times. <laughs> Society has a way of making the term loser, this devastating, we must go to blows. It's like, Get out of here, man. That's exactly what happened. Like when I played baseball, everybody was the winner. And I remember growing up thinking that must mean there's something so terrible about losing a baseball game that it's an unspeakable tragedy. (laughs) And so when I, so if I lost, I must be that terrible thing that we just don't even dare speak its name. That's a lie. It is. Yeah, that is a lie. And you're making it worse. Actually, you're doing the thing you're trying to undo. You're make, you're doing that thing and you're making it terrible and if whereas if the kid understands yeah you didn't win today you were the loser and everything's you'll you'll get better you get better tomorrow you it doesn't end his world and it's not the life life goes on as normal the next day you know exactly yeah exactly and that's and and that's what i tell like uh, when i was with my daughter at a tournament uh, a big women's wrestling tournament here recently she was really nervous and i said look don't worry about win or losing don't just worry about doing your best because win or lose tomorrow, we're still going home. You're still going to eat breakfast. You're still going to do all these things. If you if if you win, great. If you lose, figure out what we need to do better and move on. But but at the end of the day, like y'all were saying, you she did lose. She understands that she lost. You know, she's not a loser in life, but she was a loser in that tournament. But she, but I'm I'm proud to say she's come back and actually picked it up a notch at practice because she she doesn't like that feeling yeah which is which is no, healthy I, for kids yeah your, your your goal is to beat the person you were yesterday that's it there you go and yes if i beat the person i was yesterday but some other kid bested me yeah i lost the match i'm technically i'm a loser within that tournament but i'm a winner at me making progress and you mm-hmm. give me that one percent of one percent of one percent improvement every day you'll find the top step so I want to pivot here a little bit, switching gears. Speaking of uh, con- controlling other men against their will, uh, <laughs> let's talk about you. You you starred in a movie that just came out recently. That I have to tell you, uh, your performance was so captivating. And now I I'm not a professional actor or anything like that. I have an appreciation for the craft. So when I see it done well, I, I you got to say something to that so i would first of all say your your performance in this film nefarious was phenomenal just incredible mm-hmm. performance how did you that. how did you get involved in i mean when you read the script 
what was it about this project that made you say, yeah, because you've, you've been in a variety of films. And, and I remember the first one I saw was powder. I remember powder from when I was a teenager and that film was amazing. Then of course I was big into the boondock saints, which is a cult classic and the sequel. What was it about this film that jumped out at you that you said, I, I want to be a part of this and I'd like to play this role. The message in the heavy lifting um, my whole life. If there's 10 rooms, one easy all the way up to difficult I'm going to jump in the difficult room. That's just who I am. And, you know, it's, it's initially it, 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 it limits your amount of success, but there's more growth in those difficult situations, man. And, you know, there, there, there's heavy lifting in that script. It's uh, oh yeah, the, the, I, I, the switching. And by the way, spoilers alert. Uh, if you have not seen the oh, yeah. go watch it and then come back and watch this portion of the uh, episode, the, the switching between, the demonically possessed version and then the the edward it was incredible and i remember people are asking you online did you actually mess around with some demonic stuff in order to get because you were that convincing <laughs> you were that convincing um well, i appreciate it. It, it it's uh i i i didn't you know i i hear Look, I, I, I don't think an actor can discuss his craft any more than a plant can discuss horticulture. There's people that come around all the time and they talk about, you know, I was traumatized as a kid and I pulled from that. And, you know, to play this homeless person, I lived on the street for a week and urinated on myself. And I had fecal <laughs> matter pumps in my yeah. hair. The method, I don't know. The method. It, it, it's uh, I, 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 one of the... the uh, famous English actors, he 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 notoriously said to somebody that was describing their method procedure, he goes, try acting, Levy. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, I got I, I was we, we shot that in December of last year. Well, the previous year. So 13, 14 months ago, mm -hmm. 15 months ago, whatever. And my boys were having wrestling matches. I was on my phone doing FaceTime. And I'm like, I'm showing the FaceTime to the cast and crew. I'm like, look, 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 look. Charlie Porter just got a pen. I'm like, okay, we're ready to roll. Okay, I love you. I'll call you back. Action. Cut. So anyway, oh my God, I saw the pen. You know, wow. it, it, it's like, it, it, it's, it's. Okay. But, 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 but look, I, I, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's the only way that I know how to do it. Yeah. It's an amazing script. The more, the more amazing the script is written, the easier it is for you to fall deep into the story. For example, if I read a sad book, my eye, something happens to my eyes. I can't help it. And you know, so you're on a train, you're reading, and then you start to get self-conscious because people may be looking at you. Your body reacts according. Same thing with the script. Whenever I just get into a character and I don't need to, I don't become anybody. I didn't become a demon. I didn't channel a demon. I, 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 <laughs> right, I, I was acting. I, I was right, acting yeah. and I, I did yeah. the best job that I could. And maybe it would Maybe it would give more credence to the role if I told you that I tortured myself for a month prior. But really, the truth <laughs> is, I was out for pizza that night, man. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I didn't do my homework. And it wasn't a, a, a pretty big cerebral task to figure out exactly what I was going to do, when I was going to do, how would I be feeling, etc. But I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go back to, oh, I was diddled when I was four. And I'm going to use that traumatic experience to really bring out... I, I don't know. I the film was so well. What was so interesting about it is there's there is a genre called the possession film genre, and it's more or less invented by William Peter Blatty in 1973. But essentially, it, even though the movies are different, they all sort of follow the same script. It's a possessed, usually teenage girl 
there's a, a Catholic priest involved who's usually lost his faith. And then this is going to be his arc of redemption. And, and that's the script that they all follow. And what I, what I like is when I see a film that sort of redefines a genre or brings something new to it that we've never seen before. One of the things I appreciate, I appreciated the most is this was not a Linda Blair impression that you were doing. This was your own take on this role. Um, and, you know, I, I know that you were mentioning that you, you didn't use any kind of method uh, in, in crafting this role, but were there any particular things you were drawing on that were sort of helping you, uh, you know, inhabit this demonically possessed person? Were there, were there, what were some of the things that you were thinking about? Just curious. I mean, look, 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 research, my research, every film I've ever done is locked in between fade in and fade out. If, if a script isn't written very well, then you need to go outside of that story to find things. But I'll give you an example. Mm. You know, in some of my favorite books, they may have never mentioned what the lead character's favorite color is, but I can tell you what it is because they've described every other aspect of his life so profoundly. I'm like, he loves British racing green. That's the color that he loves. You know, it's, it's the more well-written it is, the less abstract choices you're just randomly pulling from a heap to, to make it interesting. And certainly I've done scripts that I thought were mediocre, where I had to kind of find things it, to me to make the character interesting. But those aren't the, that, what is a script like this? This script, the way it was written, it, it, it told a very distinct story. And for me, you know, I, you, you, you make character choices like, uh, for example, you know, when, when, when a Christian man does good, when, when it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional feeling when, a uh, uh, when Satan does bad, I made a choice for it to be a physical feeling, you know, feeling. So those are just choices. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and so d d during his countdown, I made it a, a physical excitement, was... almost an ecstatic kind of, but that was a choice. That's a choice that you make. And so you do it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you let people tell you that, uh, I don't even remember what I did because I was so low. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I not even believe those people to be honest with you, but whatever, <laughs> I, whatever story they need to concoct. And I'm not trying to downplay, you know, the, the craft, if you will, because I take it really, really seriously. I do my homework. I, I put a lot of thought into what I do, but, but my roots are pretty well planted. I am who I am. I don't yeah. take any character home with me. I don't, when people go, how long did it take you to shake it off? They said, cut. That's how long it took. They said, cut. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah and, I, and, I, and, I can tell you the reason they asked that is, you know, usually I go see a movie and I'm even, I'm even kind of a horror movie fan to some, to some degree. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I like the really gory slasher stuff, but you know, I, um, you go see evil dead in the movies and, and you laugh at it cause it's silly and kind of ridiculous and you go home and it doesn't bother me. I went, I saw nefarious. I come home. It's the middle of the night. It's dark. I got to take the trash out and the wind <laughs> blew and the trees rustled. And I went, okay, I guess I'll die here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so disturbing and so haunting it. Yeah. It, 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 you may have uh, been able to drop it when they said cut, but I guarantee you, we took that film home with us for a while. Well, 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 he, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Well, it, it, it doesn't mean that in between action and cut, I wasn't entirely 100% present and committed to pretending to be, but mm. it was pretending. I didn't become 
Satan. I didn't, no, you know, when people yeah, tell yeah. me like, how did you shake that off? Did you, you know, it's, it's I, they said cut, man. And I, I'm a dad. My boys are wrestling. I love you. I love you, woman, my wife. And, I, you know, I'm deadly serious in between action and cut. But that's where it lives. And I'm glad if yeah. it did make you scared, because my goal is to make the character incredibly believable. Yeah. And congruent well, with the horrific nature of the script. So I, I take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, well, for sure. Well, 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 here's the thing, too, about it. When you when you read like uh, I don't know how much you you've done it in the past, but when you read certain exorcists, like talk about um, possession and oppression and like Father Ripperger, he's a Catholic exorcist, actually says that demonic possession is extremely rare anyway. But when it does happen, it's not like the movies where you see these people climbing walls and all that, because if the demon basically manifests himself so explicitly, he may not inhabit that person for as long as he wants. Right. Because it's going to be obvious. And I think that's, that's why your movie was so realistic in my mind, because it was, uh, you, you said at one point in the movie or, or nefarious did that, it wasn't just the nefarious came and overtook Edward. It was little yeses along the way. Oh, and man, that, that is, was the most chilling part. And, <laughs> and that is exactly how, how sin, sin and all that works in the world. It's l small yeses add to big yeses. And I think there was a lot of truth spoken into that and how when demonic oppression, possession and all that works, it's not just a one-time event. It's a lot of little yeses. And, and I think that your movie was great for all the usual reasons that we talked about, like the acting, the story, you, you know, the production, all that. And when, when we tell people that and when I've read about it, I don't think people really understand when we say the movie's good, that it is good, like beyond those reasons, because it really touches, I believe, the hearts, minds, and souls of people. Like it did me, it did Mark, it did our wives. You can read the reviews and people's stuff on social media, religious or not, it really touched people. My wife on the way home said, this isn't a movie that you just watch and don't reflect. Because as we're driving home, she's reflecting on her life. She's actually playing that line in her head. It's I the, little yes, the little yeses that add up. Now, when you hear people say that as an artist, as an actor, how does that make you feel? And and when you read the script, did you actually expect this reaction from people or, or is it kind of taking you by surprise? No, I, I, I knew the script was pretty profound in addressing certain issues. Um, I loved the line when I read it in the script, you know, a series of yeses. I've always known that the slippery slope is very, very real. You know, mm -hmm. when when my dad told me man, it's crazy the way society is now when I was a kid. And my granddaddy told my dad the same thing. And I'm sure my great granddaddy told that, you know, it's, it's like, look, the, the, the truth is, you know, evil comes in and molecules, you don't notice a molecule, but after mm -hmm. 10 days, 10 molecules, suddenly, you know, even a cheap microscope can pick it up another hundred days. There's a hundred molecules and hell a magnifying glass can pick it up. It's the, the next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, how is today a brother of 1955? How are they related? I mean, no. today, it's just it, 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 some, some of the things that, that are just accepted are, are hard to stomach. It, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's crazy. They're evil. The, the, the level of depravity that's in everyday life. It just truly is. The slippery slope is very, very, very real. And it comes in 
in the dark of night in such small doses that you don't even notice it. And what was, what was also great about your film is the devil doesn't win in the end, which is unique and amongst the, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the possession movie genres, they got to have that cliffhanger at the end, which I guess this film sort of did too. You could sort of say that, but it doesn't really look like good triumphed over evil most of the time in these films, but in this one, well, it's just a very different, I, I left not discouraged, not, uh, I say scared, but not fearful. Like, you know, I, I'm afraid something's going to happen to me, but fearful of, you know, looking at my own life and how much I cooperate with evil and, and, and all the times I convince myself that I don't and that I really do. And that's what's something that you touched on in the film that was, um, was just very unique. And I realized that that a lot of that was the script, but a lot of it was the performance that you brought to the character. So, um, just kudos to you. And I, it, and of course, uh, I have to thank you for Boondock Saints because uh, for for us Irish people, that's our Godfather. We, <laughs> so we, you know, we we all love Boondock Saints, and I just had to get that out there. That film uh, was was very profound. I appreciate but, it, brother. Absolutely. Um, we're at about an hour. I'm going to urge everybody to go see Nefarious. I don't know that I'd bring your kids. <laughs> Definitely not a kid movie, but. It is for the adults. It is for the adults for sure. Yeah, and and it has like a horror genre, I guess. But it's but it's not a horror in the sense you think. There's actually no blasphemies. There's no cursing. There's no new jump there's scares. Not, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, I mean, it, yeah, much it's more it's, psychological, it's, much more spiritual yeah. horror. It's it's so it's so horror. it's. I mean, I, I know it has an R rating, but it's not an R rating for, I guess, for the usual reasons that you that you think. Um, I, I I did want to mention one thing too that that I thought that the film spoke really well on as well. And I don't know, you could tell me if it was intentional or not. But <clears throat> when Nefarious, when the when the Catholic priest came in, he was terrified at first. You know, he's he's you know he's saying my time has not come. You know, harkening uh, back to the Gospels, right? And, um, but when he found out the priest has said, we've developed our thinking to where we don't believe in these things anymore. Nefarious was no longer fearful. And I really, I really think that spoke to our faith and especially our clergy's faith, lack of faith, I should say, and allowing this evil to persist because it sent the message that if you're not on guard and you don't believe evil exists, you are contributing to the promulgation of more evil. And, and I thought the message was done very well. Was, was that intentional or, or was that kind of me just reading into it too much? Look, I think it also kind of speaks to every church. The Catholic Church is certainly uh, not excused from this. But certainly you know, not. I can love my country. <laughs> I can love my country and not like the president. Um, yeah, right. I've heard the Pope say things that I completely disagree with. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. When, when, when you see a preacher come in and say things that are counter to dog, dogma and scripture, I think. For me, that character was going, oh, you're a fraud. I'm not afraid of a fraud. You're not even a member of the real church. You don't believe things that are supposed to be believed by the real church. Come on in, sit down. (laughs) What do you want? Yeah. 
I mean, the posture went from went from really. T- I mean, just instantly relaxed, and I thought, wow, almost mocking type role. attitude, really yeah. good acting. <laughs> you know, but that was another that was another thing of you know that's that's the acting. I don't I don't have any real training in acting. I do appreciate it as a craft, but from a layperson's perspective, but I'm not sure I could you know pull that off. So, like you said, it's not something you can really teach on a podcast. So here's how I do this. But just to nonetheless know, man, that that was a really phenomenal performance, and uh, you know, for what it's worth, Thank great you. job, great job. And and I and like I said, it, it, we've said it really pulls on the heartstrings because I know. And again, spoiler alert: if anybody's still listening and hadn't seen it, but the whole abortion dialogue, you know. Uh, my wife, she, she, she tells me afterwards, she goes, man, that really killed me. Like she, she was in literal tears on, on the acting on that. Just, just thinking about it. And I mean, I mean, you've got that, you've got the whole dialogue. Oh, you think you've won, <laughs> you know, and it, and it just goes and, and, and you read these reviews, like people aren't reviewing the movie negative. It's like the big mainstream type people that are saying, and, and I know the argument is, well, it's a, it's got a Christian message or so on and so forth. I don't know how much that plays into everything. I'm sure it does, but to anybody that is listening to this podcast, ignore the negativity, believe the everyday people that see this movie. And it's like, this well, go is see it, make up you your need own to mind. see it. Yeah. And, go see it and, and make up your own mind. And, and I would, you know, I, I told somebody, look, if you don't like the movie, I would be willing to refund you for your ticket. Cause you're going to oh. come out of this movie. You're going to come out of this movie at a minimum thinking I, about your life and i gotta edit that out <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna be financially liable for <laughs> white wolves for white wolves tickets okay no no i'm, I'm, talking, about people, I'm talking about people okay I told personally right. personally not good not on the internet <laughs> oh goodness um so. sean patrick flannery thank you so much for coming on and talking about i know we talked about a variety of topics that don't seem related but in my opinion they are uh one of the things that physical fighting especially in a controlled and teaching environment teaches us is how to spiritually fight because life is a fight life is a fight i don't care what kind of you know fight you're talking about but good must be protected and evil must be defeated period um and i i want to thank you for coming on and talking with us about these topics because uh it was a really great interview yeah because because grapple yeah and and i think they go together because because like we said, these, these grappling sports will, I, I, anybody that's listening, grappling sports will strengthen your kid's spiritual life. No doubt in my mind about it. And, and again, thank you, Sean, for taking the time. I appreciate your kindness on coming on talking to us. It was as usual. I think it's a very fruitful and very interesting conversation uh, with you on these topics. Anytime guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I just want to say to all the Tradman listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember that life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. God bless everybody. God bless. God bless.